When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. Yeah, let's get that phone number thing out of the way. You want to call us? Okay, numbers 855-935-TALK. There you go. 855-935-8255. Call us. We'd love to talk with you. Uh, and uh, we we want to try to make you a better investor. And we do this all the time here on this show called Talking Real Money. But you keep getting in your own way. I'm Don. Tom's over there, you're there, and you're the people who keep getting in your own way. This was, this point was driven home to me recently. I just read an article, I think it was published yesterday at, at Morningstar by someone we really like. We admire her. We think she does good work. Her name is Christine Benz. And the 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 headline of the article is, this is a very, very interesting piece. Do as I say, not as I do. On my failings as an investor is the subtitle. The, and the, the reason this hits home with us is because we talk to so many of you who call us and say, hey, Don, hi, Tom. You know, I listen to you all the time. I follow your uh, your your ideas and your uh, your 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 suggestions. And uh, then then they come to meet with us. And Tom goes. What do you say? I was giving you the option to fill in. Oh, like they, they, they say. Well, no, what do you say? Accounts. I say, <laughs> why? Which part of the show were you listening to? There you go. Because <laughs> it's not the part about investing, obviously, because generally people have too many accounts. Generally, they have too many holdings. They have, I think you coined this a uh, hodgepodgery of hodgepodge things, ideas, hodgepodgeitis. Uh, they have too much in cash. They have too much in company stock. They make a lot of those same mistakes that, gee, I think we've been talking about for like 25 years in one way or another. In Christine Ben's article, she says, one, what, this is one we talk about all the time. I hold too much of my employer stock. Now, Tom, why is it a bad idea to hold too much of your employer's stock? It's pretty rational if you think about it. Your bait, your, your life currently is dependent on the health of your employer right i mean well your biggest income your your biggest income deriving asset really is your job for most of us and so assume that goes away you could get another job i guess hopefully (laughs) but if you've invested a lot of your hard-earned money in that company and it goes away now you've lost the job the income and the investment. You know, this has been one of my arguments for years. We just saw this again with the Silicon Valley Bank, where people had a lot of their 401k invested in company stock. And my take is, I think she even in her article said 5% is okay. I, I always say Which none I, because... I, I think none you, is you, the best. You can't see your way around it because you just, you believe in that company. She even says in here, we believe it's going to do better than just being invested, you know, diversified because we know the company, we trust it, et cetera, et cetera. We all feel that way. Well, not everybody, but basically most people feel that way about their employer. 
But it's funny, both Christine Benz and John Reckenthaler, who both their colleagues, they both work for Morningstar, they both admit that they own too much of their company stock and they really can't explain why. They've got some very twisted reasons, but what it comes down to is what one, the biggest issue I think is they're afraid of paying taxes, Tom. We've they don't talked want to... about this many times, uh, that you're going to let the tax dog wag the tail. She also does blame inertia, which we know from talking to so many of you. It's like, yeah, it's okay. I'll get to that, you know, later. It's just the company stock's doing well. I'm all right. I don't need to make a change today. You know, I'm not going to make a decision. And by the way, not changing is making a decision. So, yeah, they blame it on taxes, inertia. Hmm. I believe it's self-interest. People believe strongly that their company is going to do better than another company because I work there. I know the CEO. I know the products. We've done great. Some of the other things she mentioned was she has too much in cash. She doesn't own enough bonds. And again, that's a very psychological game we play with ourselves. She's also in their their uh, tax-exempt bond fund. And I wonder sometimes if she's if she's actually sat down and figured out whether the tax exempt bond fund is the better fund for her as opposed to uh, a bond index fund of some kind and she says she has she doesn't have a very good track record with asset allocation and that in part i think is because she believes some of the old rules of the game you know the the, the active management rule she owns an actively managed fund and she said she'd buy it again but when we come back i want to talk about why she says she'd buy it again. It's a very interesting psychological game she's playing. Tom and Don are talking real money. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. So, are you really investing the way we suggest you invest, or are you doing something completely different? You want to find out? Call us and tell us what you're doing, and we will walk you through what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong and how you can do it better or maybe not. Maybe you're doing it perfectly, and we'll just say, good for you. You're doing it perfectly. Um, we meet that those sometimes. Happened. That's no, happened. once. Once. Twice, maybe. No, Come on. No. In all the years. Mm, perfectly. Oh, My portfolio is not perfect either, by the way. We'll You're talk right. about Mine's that in a few per- minutes. Yours is definitely not perfect, you Mr. No, exactly. Reach guy. Uh, <laughs> 855-935-TALK is our phone number, 855-935-8255. There are lines a galore for you. There are lots of lots of lines here for the show, 855-935-TALK. I don't know why I just slipped into that stupid accent. A little Lawrence Welk, a little Italian. <laughs> I'm not sure what it was. Anyway, we were talking about Christine Benz, not Mercedes Benz, but Christine Benz and her very strange portfolio that she admits is very strange. She's got too much money in company stock. She's got too much cash. She doesn't have enough bonds. And she has an index fund, which is the total market index, and then an actively managed fund by the name of the Vanguard... Oh, gosh, I forgot. Prime Cap Fund. Prime Cap Core Investors Fund. And it's a very popular fund. It's been around for a long time. Got a great track record. It does. It has has had a great track record. 
And she said, yeah, I, I, I know, you know, it wasn't the best fund to buy for my account because it's taxable and there's, you know, it distributes capital gains and all that. But she goes, if I had to do it, I'd do it all over again. I'd do it the same way. Now, let me tell you why I think she says that. Um, because as, as you know, we say buy index style or rules-based funds, not actively managed. Prime Cap's actively managed. It has done very well. That's why. There is the reason why she would do it all over again. Had it not recently done as well, her opinion of it would probably be quite different. But the problem is she and we and others tend to conflate two words, have and are, have done or are doing. The feeling is when this fund has posted great numbers that it is currently doing well. I want to be in the funds that are doing well. Well, it's done well, but will it do well in the future? No, we have no indication. And actually, the track record is very poor for active managers who've done well and what that means into the future. Part two, the reason this fund has done well, no offense to Vanguard, and this is a little confusing for a lot, think for a lot of people because they hear Vanguard and they think it's an index fund because Vanguard mm-hmm. is associated with indexing. Vanguard has a lot of actively managed funds. One of the reasons, probably the main reason this fund has a great track record for the last 15 years is, guess why? It's been in the right part of the market. It has nothing to do with picking the right stocks. You simply own large, huge, gigantic U.S. companies, and guess what? Those have been the places really to invest since the the Great Recession of 2008-2009. So you start to start going, I'll just stick with this because it works so doggone well. I always say, if I woke up today, what would I do? If I woke up today, would I invest in an actively managed fund or an index fund? If I woke up today, would I pay, and I think it's, is it 40 basis points for this or 45 well, basis points? Well, it depends on like whether she, she she said her numbers show that she has the the investor version, which is yeah, 50 which is basis weird. points, but the okay. Admiral is 30 basis points. But um, even there, would you buy the that? Admiral. Would you own that or would you own an index fund that owns a lot of the same stocks because a lot of people own them for half of the price? I mean, again, I don't think you would. Number three. She doesn't go into all the other things she owns. Owning just this asset class, if she's overweighted to this area, she's going to leave a lot of money on the table. She's saying she's got the total market in this for her equities. Yeah, I. That's not a. And she admits she's not a good asset allocator. Then she's readily she's honest because that is not a good asset allocation. That is a huge overcommitment to large U.S. firms, which over the long haul, have not been as good or as productive, I should say, as small and small cap value. So there's another one in here, too, that I found weird, Don, when she talks about the bonds that she does own. I think she owns a bond fund, a uh, municipal bond fund at Vanguard. Trying to pull Mm -hmm. it up here. Um, That I don't know why she holds that when she could hold the exchange-traded fund version of that. She owns a VWIUX which has a yield of, I think, 3.4, and but it charges nine basis points, which is still very inexpensive, 0.09%. That's low. I'll give you that. But couldn't you just own the VTEB, which is almost half as expensive, 0.05, with the same yield, tax-free bonds? Yeah, I don't, it, it, a again, lot of I don't this just doesn't that. make sense, particularly given the fact that, that Morningstar actually says the biggest differentiator 
in fund performance. The one factor that shows the greatest tendency to boost fund performance is low fees. Fees matter more than anything else. Did you see that she mentioned something else in the article about the star ratings? And I think uh-huh. people at Morningstar is still that's There's, still part of the, who are they from and what they believe, and it's, they they're going to say no, but I don't buy it. And interesting, Prime Cap takes big bets. They make big bets, and someday they're going to be wrong on one of their big bets. Like right now, a third of the portfolio is in healthcare. Which, again, has had a great run. A third is in technology. (laughs) Been pretty good, too. Yeah, all right. So it's an aggressive approach to investing, which can can be very scary at times. 855-935-TALK is our phone number. Hey, Jay, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Um, I have a question about where to keep funds that I want to save up to buy a house. So I have a house now, and I'm planning in about five years to buy another house. And um, I'm planning to save around 500000 for the down payment. And so, you know, I don't want to just leave that in a high-yield account or um, a CD. So I'm wondering how you think I should invest that to use about five years from now. Why wouldn't you mm. want to live, leave it in a high-yield account or a CD? Um, because I just thought that's a lot of money to only get that rate of return. So I might just be. To only get five? Be, well, because wouldn't with inflation that really then just be it, it, it's going to tread water, but at all. But here's the problem: anything that might make you more than that over a long period of time needs a long period of time. You could put that into an aggressive fund that might give you eight or nine or ten or even Dave Ramsey twelve percent per year, but over five years it also could end up less than five hundred thousand. Are you okay well, with that? Well, let's just ask you yeah, a question. So if you had the five and it went to 400, which is very easily could happen, we'd come back and talk more about this. Yeah, think about that over the break. The house? That's the yeah, if, if you're five, if you could stand it going from five to four, then you could probably afford to take more risk, just not a ton. We'll be back. Tom and Don are talking real money. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Well, it looks like, excuse me, it looks like we lost Jay. But before we went away, we or before she went away, and we went away, we were talking about investing for higher returns. And this is, I really think uh, that this is the number one request that we get from our listeners is, yeah, I understand that I can put it somewhere and make really basically nothing after inflation, but that's not what I want. I want to make more. Tell me where that place is where I can make more. And making more means greater volatility. It means a longer time horizon. And in this case, if you said, I'm going to need $500,000, which is, sounds like what she set aside, of money in five years to close on the house deal, I wouldn't do anything except a CD or high-yield savings account or, I guess, maybe some sort of money market fund. But there's no way I'd be I'd be doing you a disservice if I said, go put it in stocks. Because, again, there there's a very good chance that the market could be off considerably in five years. We just don't know. So, no, I don't, I don't, there isn't a panacea for, as Don correctly points out, I just want to make money and I don't want to risk any of my capital. 
You got to risk some. And in this case, because it is truly a set time, need the money, got to have it by then, and it's got to be in that amount. That's why I hope to hear from her about the amount. Um, I wouldn't be messing with it. No way. And this mental state, this psychological flaw we have, it's that the combination of the greed and the fear, and we want to make them both go away, or we want to we want to accentuate the greed and eliminate the fear. This little trait is the thing that gets us into trouble. This is why we succumb to bad pitches for everything from total scams to just inappropriate products that are pitched by your local stockbroker because they so desperately want to make the next sale that they will try to find a way to tell you what you want to hear. We, on the other hand, are not concerned at all about making a sale to you. So we're going to tell you what you need to hear. And what you need to hear is that for a definite goal, and you need an X amount of money at the end of that time, then you cannot subject it to the risks of those products that offer higher rewards. And here's another basic rule. If the return is higher than the safe stuff, then no matter what anyone says, the risk is absolutely increased. There is no trick. There is The trade-off has to exist between risk and return, right? I mean, it, it's there. And if you're knowledgeable, if you're paying attention, then... You know it is, but this gets into this intuition part of investing, Don, and the fact that everybody in this industry wants to sell you something that says you can have your cake without gaining any weight. You can't. You can't have That is a much better saying, by the way. Thank you. Have your cake and eat it, too. It's have your cake (laughs) and not gain weight. I know. Plus, it actually, it's more poetic. I'm going to go home and have a big brownie after I'm done with this. But the thing, of the, the truth of the matter is we all believe that somehow. Exactly, because we believe <laughs> that somehow. you got to figure out how to suspend that belief, how to get rid of it, get it out of your system, realize that there is a trade-off. Any short-term money should be kept in something that is liquid. And I guess you could do a CD in this case if you had a time. Sure, if but you, you have need a to definite realize time. You can't make more. Yeah. Right. And if you went for a five-year CD right now, you would be getting, a. a, if you go to the secondary market, you'd probably be able to get 5%, which, based on what we've had in the past many years, is an incredible yield. And you should be happy with it because it means no loss. It doesn't mean your money's going to grow, basically, much, but it does mean your risk of loss is essentially non-existent. 855-935-TALK 855-935-8255 Give us a call please Tom and Don are talking real money Reality radio for a really great future We're talking real money Yeah, reality That's what this show's about You may want fantasy But you're going to get reality (laughs) Sorry 855-935-TALK. That's the number you need to call us for reality, not fantasy. That must be some other show because it's not this one. Uh, 855-935-TALK again. That's the number, and it's Rob's turn. Hi, Rob. Welcome to Talking Real Money. Hi, gentlemen. Uh, I have a question, but first, Don, I want to mention to you that two or three years ago, you were talking about umbrella insurance on 
you know, liability. And that was really helpful to me. And I had not heard that information anywhere else. I, you may not even remember you gave out statistics on how much uh, settlements were and things like that. And it, I ended up reducing my umbrella policy quite a bit. So thanks for that. Oh, glad to my question, my question is, so when you're in the decumulation phase, uh, you know, you get toward the end of the year, you may not have, you have enough money, you have two months left uh, for the budgeting. What, how would you think about um, your emergency fund? When you're in retirement, I don't think you really need that much of an emergency fund, except for maybe when you're at the end of a budgeting year. Am I thinking mm-hmm. right that right? Or yeah, have any I, ideas? I, but, well, it's a little of both, and I'll let Tom elaborate. But, but but you still could have life emergencies that could shock you with big fat bills. So that needs to exist in pre pre retirement or post retirement because you know the AC goes out the AC goes out you, the car breaks down completely they need a new car those things happen pre or post retirement yeah, and those are hard to budget for obviously and you're exactly right rob but if you're in retirement you don't have a huge set amount of income right uh, that you're relying other than maybe social security and a pension so i think it could be a smaller emergency fund but do i think it's reasonable to pull some of that money out and pay the bills at the end of the year? Absolutely. And sure. I mean, that's just, and that's something you're then going to learn years going forward. This is another reason that Don and I have kind of moved now to the area of the flexible withdrawals. Or in other words, not just saying it's only 4% plus inflation, but really working our way to maybe a percentage of the money from the, the beginning of the year or something like that. We know, and you know this too, we've talked about it so many times, your life changes. Things are more expensive, less expensive. I'm waiting for the less expensive part. But in a general sense, <laughs> it goes up, it goes down. So, no, I think that's I think that's exactly why you have the emergency fund. You spent more money than you thought, and uh, I'm going to need it to pay the bills. Sure. All right. Thank, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling. 855-935-TALK. 855-935-8255 is our phone number. The point of an emergency fund is to cover unexpected shortfalls. So an unexpected shortfall would be a year in which your portfolio doesn't generate enough money, just as it would be when you're working, where you have a year where you don't make as much. You get laid off for part of a year. You don't get an expected bonus that you've been getting in past years. Your income is lower. You're going to have to tap your emergency fund to take care of some of life's needs. And that's what it's for. It's not, it's there for those big needs like healthcare and uh, fixing the house and those kinds of things, but it's also to cover income shortfalls, either pre or post retirement. It's there to cover shortfalls that life throws at you. Yeah, I mean, the other thing in anybody's portfolio who is retired is that you should have a fair amount, as Christine Benz admitted, in bonds. And bonds, while they had a tough year in 2022, I get it. But in the long haul, they've been kind of the ballast, right? They, they that don't has been rare. Volatility in bonds is rare. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying <laughs> I had it wrong. So, um, no. no, I mean, so so they're basically a stable pool of money. So so that then this, uh, for me, kind of alleviates the need for a huge emergency fund because you can pull on those without upsetting your asset allocation too dramatically much, right? You're to pull something there to pay a bill that you did not expect. So the bonds many times can be, you know, kind of that emergency fund 
that you used to have while you were working and you were relying on your you know income from employment. I don't think that's an unreasonable strategy, and I think it will com- will work in the future. Did not work last year, but had for a very long period of time before that. I get and it, it seems it seems that the rule of thumb on emergency money is generally somewhere around that six months of of expenses figure. Six months of your uh, monthly expenses, half a year's worth of expenses, then you can cover most things that come up, except for the gigantic, unexpected disasters. 855-935-TALK. Please call. We love to talk to you. Tom and Don are talking real money. Do you suffer from hodgepodgeitis? I'm Don McDonald, and hodgepodgeitis is a disease of your investment portfolio whose symptoms include lots of stocks, loads of random loaded mutual funds, and maybe an annuity or two. Most who suffer from hodgepodgeitis dread opening their quarterly portfolio statements. They feel lost and confused. Investing seems overwhelming and the financial future uncertain. If you believe you suffer from hodgepodgeitis, see a 100% fiduciary investment advisor immediately. A proper diagnosis is the first step to creating a portfolio with a purpose based on a personal plan. Start on the road to recovery now by scheduling a free meeting with an Appella advisor at TalkingRealMoney.com. There is no cost, obligation, or high-pressure sales pitch. Take the first step at TalkingRealMoney.com or call 800-386-3004. Hodgepodgeitis is not a real disease, but treating it has been shown to improve mood, reduce fear, and even lead to a brighter financial future. Results may vary. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. You know that phone number we have, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, where you can call and talk to us about your money woes and dilemmas and problems and concerns and hopes and fears and ambitions and drives and dilemmas and all those funny things. Well, it works 24-7. You can call at any time. And then you leave a question like this. Sorry, sir. I didn't mean uh, to, uh, to guffaw. Excuse me? Uh, was that a made-up call? Come on. No, that was a real call. We don't make calls up. <laughs> I know. Oh, You're in the middle gold. of a huge coast-to-coast controversy now about yes, that. We're gonna, That's we're going to conclude that controversy on Wednesday's <laughs> podcast. Tune in next week. Uh, listen, um, taking money out of an individual retirement account and moving it all into gold, I'm assuming... He doesn't mean like the gold, the metal, right? Or does yes, he? Yes, he does mean gold, the metal. Oh, okay. And yes, uh, the short you can do is, it. Yes, do it. It's not a good practice. It's a terrible yeah, can... idea. <laughs> okay, it's a horrible idea. It, it's no. It's even. It's 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 abhorrent. It's, it's just awful. It's no. no gold is a terrible, terrible investment. Okay, but setting aside that first, just the mechanics, you have to have, it's not a typical IRA. You have to have. No, no, no. It's a special self-directed IRA where you have to pay ridiculous fees, ridiculous fees. You got to go find somebody who will do it too. There are, they're out there. There are gold IRAs, but you have to, you have to actually pay storage fees for the, for the metal itself. If you want to, and you can do it. It's a gold IRA. You can own physical gold. Uh, but mm. the fees are outrageous. You can spend. Okay, but just so oh, I gosh, the average cost to much? open one is about two hundred to three hundred dollars just to open it, and then the uh, the uh, ongoing charges are about a hundred dollars a year. 
That's but I go down every your... day and see my gold, right? I can see right. the gold. Right. I can see the bars. Okay, this has been a fairly inflationary year, correct, 2023? Yeah, Inflation one of the worst five, in uh, a decade, more than a decade. Yeah. And and the the idea here is always, or what I hear from the gold bugs, is that gold gives you protection against inflation, right? You don't want to be in inflationary, yes. non-protected kind of things. Um, right. So how has GLD, which I think is well, a representation of gold, done in well, 2023? Well, I'm just I'm just looking at gold, the spot price itself, on the on the commodities exchange, and in uh, uh, let's see, at the beginning of 2022, uh, gold was. Oh, let's do it from right about now. Let's 2022 see, let's go, or 2023? Well, I'm going from 2022, so I want to give give it a fair okay, number. So, so a let's year and go, a half. Yeah, a year and a half. Uh, well, it was a year and a half ago, February of 2022, it was $1,887 an ounce. Today, it's $1,930 an ounce. So it's barely keeping up, up with inflation. But what's really interesting is the long-term performance of gold. If you go back to 1980, when gold was at its, at its hottest, that was when everybody was buying gold, you held it to today, you still haven't made money. You're still at a loss after inflation. Yeah, I think we talked to uh, our friend Larry Swedro about this. It'll be on an upcoming podcast as well. He had some not-so-nice things to say about gold. Gold is a completely speculative investment. It truly is whatever the next person says it's worth. There are no dividends. There are no interest. There's no growth. It is just the idea that, well, one day— if the dollar blows up or the economy melts down or something really bad happens, I have gold. And, and by the way, know, I have guns. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't. But I'm just. Why that not? is I'd the number one argument. Food. That anyway. is the number one argument for gold. That yeah, is, the, is. At, the, yeah. at the at the at the core of every argument for gold is this. Well, it's a hedge against worst case scenario. Well, uh, no, it's not. Because that's assuming that in the case of the collapse of all the global economies and their currencies, anybody out there is going to want to take a hunk of gold. It's just, I mean, the average annual 15-year return for gold, a GLD, 4.5%. Okay. Yeah, right. There you go. Which sounds like inflation in that time? Mm, pretty much so it's a yeah, well, it's that, been that an inflation high, hedge yeah. over that time but that's yeah. all okay but stocks yeah. are inflation hedges over long periods of time they've proven to be that and I, uh, yeah so I, I i can't think of a i can't honestly i can't except for crypto i have a hard time thinking of a worse investment i think crypto is the only thing that we NFTs. that people call an investment yeah that's still a crypto though sort of it's a it's a blockchainy mm, thing okay. Regional Not a Dick Cheney thing, a Block Cheney thing. <laughs> regional no, banks? No, regional kidding. banks. Some are good. <laughs> Rivian? No, I'm just kidding. Rivian's had a great run, by the way, the last 10 days. And, and for those Four who think that gold is a stable asset, think again. Back in 2013, gold lost 30% of its value. Really? Yeah, 30%. So... Terrible, terrible, so, terrible yeah, investment. It's not an asset we recommend. That's by the way. The recommend other part, we frankly, tar- we having... discourage it. <laughs> we self-directed IRAs as a whole, not a fan. Okay, I'm not a two fan. Different. Well, but there are two different kinds of self-directed IRAs. 
There's the now, kind I'm, you okay, can get I'm at your brokerage the, firm. Yeah, okay. I'm fine with those. But when you say the term, it always seems to be some alternative type of investment, investing in some real estate that I can't get. Well, except you could go buy a REIT and you could get it. Um, or something else that is off the beaten path that's going to make me a lot of money with no risk. And I don't know of that thing, that product, that any of it. But that's how it's sold, and it's special. And and you mentioned charges. Generally, those self-directed IRAs are very expensive, very expensive. Well, considering that a regular IRA, brokerage IRA with Schwab, which is essentially self-directed, into which you can True. even put GLD if you want to, not gold, Had but GLD. Well, you don't do it, but you could. That costs you $0 a year. We did just run into somebody who has an IRA custodianed at a mutual fund company, and the mutual fund company charges them $15 a year custody charge. Yeah. Which I hadn't heard of in a long time. I was like, that's from the old school that burnt down before they built the new old school. Come on. Yeah, that's what we used to do when I was a broker. We had custodial fees for accounts because there was a lot of paperwork, literal paperwork. You had to do work on paper. Uh, But it's like that Vanguard annoyance fee, the little uh, $25 fee. You know, I heard another call on the podcast about that yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So, mm, yeah. but so, there you go. Avoid paying fees, and uh, in a couple of weeks we'll be playing that interview we did with Larry Swedro. I'm going to do some editing on it, but in that he actually has this is something to look forward to a really great definition of what an investment is. Oh, the five things. Yeah, the five yeah. things Good. that make something yeah. an investment. And gold and crypto fail in all five categories. It is they are neither Otherwise, of them are an investment by any stretch of the imagination. 855-935-TALK. Remember you can call us during the show on Saturdays or anytime. 855-935-8255. Tom and Don are talking real money. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Here's a real story about somebody needing real help. Yeah, a podcast listener I talked to today who was uh, got a little bit here, a little bit there. I'm trying this. I'm trying that, et cetera, et cetera. Truly had the hodgepodge-itis. And what he did not have was a plan of any kind. In his 50s, didn't know how he's going to retire, doesn't know where the income's going to come from, but already working on the investments. you got to have the plan before the investments, and that's the kind of work we do at Appella Wealth. Don? cart before the horse then basically and that's what we all want to do we all want to jump to the end of the book i just want the good investments skip all that other stuff but there's nothing more important than a plan and if you want to do it on your own great good for you you still need a little planning help so go to talkingrealmoney.com meet with one of our advisors for free no obligation talkingrealmoney.com you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.